Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Oh my God, how are we doing this evening, sir? I'm doing good, serious. Um, 
The Hall of Fame game is just a few weeks away, and I'm ready for it. Let's go. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. The Hall of Fame game is a couple of days away. But before we get started, man, we got to pay some – we got to pay some bills real quick. Shout out to PHR Apparel. Let's go, man. PHR Apparel. This portion of our program is brought to you by PHI Apparel Company. PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of the Philadelphia area. With their original designs for all, there's no doubt that they'll stand out in the crowd. Act now and listeners can use the promo code CHEFS for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co that's phiapparel.co remember to use the promo code chefs for 15% off act now while supplies last you know what I need to speak to the powers that be man the dude doing that promo makes my skin crawl man TP can we get on that please can we get somebody better to do that man this man's voice makes my skin crawl call the number I talked to some people. I talked to some people. Seven five nine. You know, you know what, sir? No, sir. No, not today. Not today. Not today, man. Not today. I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood, man. George Pickens making people look silly. We'll talk training camp in a minute, but I wanted to talk. Uh, lead off tonight's show, uh, talking about all things NFL, NFL training camp. But I wanted to lead with Jonathan Taylor, Jim Irsay, and his Indianapolis Colts situation. Essentially, the Indianapolis Colts backup, Jonathan Taylor, uh, currently is not at camp. Um, their backup running back went down with a significant injury. At this point, if anybody, you know, has an inkling to play running back, go up to Indianapolis, they get you a contract, see what you can do. But, Villain, you, you, you brought this disc to us. I wanted to start with you, sir. Um, What's your position on the Jim Irsay, Jonathan Taylor thing, man? This is going to get really, really messy, and I'm I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, uh, first of all, serious, I hate you. Uh, second of all, I mean, listen, the the idea that this guy is talking and thinks anybody's listening to him, get lost. This guy, you know, I actually was hanging out with a, a Colts fan earlier today and asked him about it, and he's like, you know, he loves his owner, but, you know, he's out of pocket. And absolutely right. Like, I know – We've talked about the running back position, how it's disrespected, how it's devalued, and all that stuff. But for an owner to actually come out and blatantly say it is just and, – and kind of treat your players like a dime a dozen, like you don't mean anything, you're replaceable. Like, I don't care what you put yourself through on the football field. You can go out there, have a major injury. I, I could care less. I'll find another one just like you. For him to actually admit it, it it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of sad. And it's like, why would I want to play for a, a guy like that? Um, Jonathan Taylor, they're trying to say, you know, has a, a, a non-football related injury, you know, that he won't be able to, he, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be able to play, but it wouldn't be insured. And, you know, he wouldn't get his money. It's just getting messier and messier. Jonathan Taylor requested a train. Thursday said it ain't happening. It's a messy situation. I feel like Taylor's going to play for the Colts, but I would, I wouldn't be surprised if this was his last year. Um, playing on, on $4 million for an owner that could care less about you, why would you want to come back? Why, why would you want to play for a guy like that? So it's a nasty situation. Earth Day, you're, you, you're out of pocket for what you said. I know a lot of owners and and a lot of management teams kind of think that way, but for you to actually put a face to it and say it out loud, <laughs> missing you, man. 
You know, it's funny you mention that because I, I'm, I'm cut from a clause where if you can hide behind anonymous and you ain't a real dude, you ain't a real man. And, you know, Ursay, you know, call him what you want, but you always know where he's at. You always know what he's thinking. Um, and for him to actually come out and put his name behind his words, I, I, I tip my cap to him for having the breath to do that, albeit. It was a BS move, and it was wrong. But, again, all these owners and these people like to hide behind anonymous uh, reporting. He actually came out and said it. CP, I- I'll come to you, sir. A Jonathan Taylor situation, you're no stranger to, to, to what's going on, man. What's your position on it? It was a song that I grew up on, you know, back in the 90s, and it kind of goes crazy like this. Um he said, picture life as my wife, just think, full-length, mink, fat, accent, old links, bracelets to match, conversation was all that, showed you the safe combinations and all that, guess you could say all you're that. the one I trusted. Who would ever think that y'all was spread like mustard? It got hot, like the fans to my phone. Took me to court, try to take all I got, another intricate plot. Why they want to stick me for my paper? You like, like, and the name of the song is "Get Money." If you've never heard the song, this is what it's all about. Y'all being disrespectful, like, like that whole part right there is how they being disrespectful, and it's like the same way they doing the face of that organization. It's not Anthony Richardson right now. There's nobody on that defense. That, I mean, they got players on that team that can make plays and do things. Jonathan Taylor was leading the league in rushing at one point, like. How do you look at this like this guy's not an intricate piece? You're going to put him off the field and he's not injured and he's a big piece of your offense? You know what? I hope he sit for the rest of the year. I hope so. And then we'll see how much the coach could carry. I want to see if you really got Ben Roethlisberger back there. I want to see if you got a rookie quarterback that can come up in there and go 15-1 and one with what you got. Like I remember after Tommy Maddox got hurt, Roethlisberger went in there, went crazy, and it's like, okay, well, now we got a stud. Do y'all really got to study him, or is this dude athletically gifted that you could just sidestep one of the top running backs in the game? I can't believe that this is what the league has turned into at this point in time. Ursay has done enough in his career. Where, I mean, you know, these people sit on billions of dollars and, and feel like, you know, they they bigger than God himself. And uh, they could call shots and do as they want. They could get another running back to fill, run by, running back by committee, so on and so forth. They are being disrespectful. I really don't like that. I really don't like the state of the running back position in the NFL, period. But for Jonathan Taylor to be low ball like that and we're going to put you on the NFI list and not use you, like, I, I would either come back disgruntled, <laughs> fall down at the line of scrimmage every time I got the ball, at least I'm making an effort, you know what I'm saying, the way that they playing around, or make you pay me or make it look like you want me here. Y'all don't want me in Indianapolis, and a lot of people don't want to play for the coach. They got the opportunity to play for you because they're playing football, but if they had their pick to play for the Colts, like, they're paying men and days, not now. So missing me with that, like, um, if you don't want them, you can call them up to any team that needs a running back that's stellar and give it in the conversation with, with Derrick Henry. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Ursa has opened that mouth far too many times across the years, and, and this one may end up biting him big. So uh, you make your bed, you got to sleep in it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and ultimately, I agree with what you both had to say about the situation. I'll say my comments for last. Greenwood, Jonathan Taylor, man, um, 
you know, what said you with this whole situation? I mean, you've been pretty much beating the drum for uh, Kamara and Jacobs, and now you've got another disgruntled um, or situation as far as the running back position. Uh, what say you, my man? So, honestly, I think that this is probably just um, – I think that the running back kind of wow that happened um, a little bit earlier in the month um, is kind of the thing that's um, sparking the whole situation, to be honest with you. Um, of course, Taylor wants a trade so he can get a get a deal after the trade because nobody's going to trade for a guy for only one year, no matter what the cost is. Um, and then Ursay comes back, and there's another um, wrinkle in that non-football injury thing he tried to pull. Because, yeah, he's basically saying, yeah, you can sit out all season, but you're not going to cure any, um, any years on your contract. So you're still going to be stuck in the exact same place with one year and, and be one year older. That's what basically Jim Ursay tried to pull on – Jonathan Taylor. Um, so I get things from the owner's perspective, um, Ursay's perspective specifically, that the um, that sports in general has kind of pushed itself to um, the players demanding trades and like forcing their way out of situations that they don't want to be in, whether it be for monetary reasons or um, accomplishment reasons or whatever reasons that you would, um, you'd want to think about, they can kind of negotiate their way out of whatever situation that they're in. And at some point teams do have to kind of put their foot down and say, hey, you can demand a trade all you want, but you're not getting one. Um, at the same time, the way that the league currently treats running backs is um, is bad. It's, it's probably the worst job in sports right now because they will, they'll pay you for your rookie contract, which is nothing especially as the running back starts to drop further and further in draft boards. I know we had two first-round running backs this year, but um, that is a dying breed, not a a long-term breed. And on top of that, they can just throw you one year at um, at a top-five contract, and that's pretty much your career. At that point, you're starting, like, you're going to start to hit the late 20s, and nobody's going to sign you to a second four- or five-year deal. So with that said, I understand where Jonathan Taylor is coming from. He's saying, hey, I want to find a way to maximize my value because I think a team would, if he were a free agent now, or if he got traded now, would pay him for a four- or five-year contract, and that would be pretty much the end of his career. It'd be one big payday, but it's a lot better than nothing. Yeah, so for, for me, I, I, I think we're all in lockstep here that this, first and foremost, this is really, really bad for Indianapolis Colts as a team getting ready to prepare 
for the upcoming season. You know what I'm saying? You go out and get yourself a rookie quarterback and you want to be able to build around he and a bell cow running back. However, you know, I, I do believe, and again, this, this thing that kind of trips me up, and gentlemen, correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't draft or address the running back really all offseason. And, and Jim Ursay had no intention of paying Jonathan Taylor. Like, Everything that we're reading, everything that we're seeing, everything that is coming across the uh, across the news station and new, the news desk, if you will, leads us with the understanding that they had no intention on paying Johnson Taylor. So why did they not be aggressive, if you will, in addressing that position this offseason? You can't believe that you know James Cook or whatever uh, was the answer. At, at, at running back, you can't believe that you know the third string running back is the answer at that position, especially if you have aspirations of competing and subsequently winning the division. Let's keep in mind where the when the Indianapolis Colts are played. This division is very very winnable if you just don't throw up on yourself, if you will. So. I don't understand why Jim Irsay and the Indianapolis Colts fall asleep at the wheel. If you had no intention on paying this man, then you have to subsequently draft a replacement or somebody to go alongside Anthony Richardson to, 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 to go along, you know, through the season. So from, 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 from all intents and purposes, that situation baffles me. Secondly, you cannot, and again, everybody on the call alluded to that, you cannot sit there and, and, and say pretty much you're replaceable to your franchise player. You you can't say that. You you cannot say that. And essentially, I, I back Jonathan Taylor. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I, I I even say this now. All these running backs, I'm in their corner. I'm backing them 100 percent because you cannot run a player into the ground and then subsequently try to lowball them or not give them what they are worth. When, again, Barry, you, you pinned the article on sportsmanchefs.com. Go read, go read the article. These running backs are not trying to reset the market and not trying to, you know, break the bank. They're just trying to get value for what they're worth. Okay? So, and Jonathan Taylor led the league in Russian, was, you know, runner-up to MVP and, you know, did all of these things, you know, a couple of years ago. Why not reward him with the contract and for Jim Ursay to say that pretty much irreplaceable is Bush League? And if I'm if I'm Jonathan Taylor, I pack my ball and I and I go sit my ass down somewhere until Jim Ursay decides he wants to play right. At the end of the day, and it's, it's not it's, only it's, it's, it's Jim. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I thought you were finished. I apologize. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, one way or another, Jim Arce is going to have to bolt. He's going to have to fold here, one way or another. Whether Jonathan Taylor, you know, and him have a come to Jesus meeting, or the Indianapolis Colts start out, you know, O and whatever, or one and whatever, and his fans start to attack his pocketbook and they don't show up to games. One way or another, Jim Arce is going to have to deal with this, and I'd rather him deal with it on the front end than the back end. Go ahead, Zelda, talk to me. No, I mean, what I was going to say was, you know, not only what he said, but how he said it. I mean, the 
the gist of it was, you know, if I die and Jonathan Taylor's out of the league, nobody's going to miss him. Like, who, who, what owner says that? You know, this is after, you know, you're coming out with Barkley and Jacobs with their situation. You're basically saying this. we, we negotiated the CBA, you know, they, they have fair representation. You, your job is to honor a contract. Like, this guy, Jonathan Taylor was, what, second in the league and – Offensive Player of the Year um, when he rushed for almost two thousand over I think it was over two thousand yards right um, you had yeah. about twelve picks in the draft you didn't pick one running back to your point serious um, what are you doing man like what are you doing it's just really disrespectful and, and that's and the running backs like that's why I was kind of happy. Barkley came back, but I was disappointed that he kind of not. I guess you could say folded because the running backs need to band together and really fix this. And and I get there's a CBA, I get there's rules in place, but you know it's it, like the the franchise tag is being abused for these running backs, and it and you shouldn't be allowed to be franchised two years in a row. Um, it's just ridiculous how these running backs. I agree with TP. It's ridiculous how they're treated. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. T.P. Greenwood, you want to, you know, double dip on this or we can, we can keep it pushing? All I want to say is if y'all don't want Jonathan Taylor, I got a uh, a third running back in Craig Reynolds and um, <laughs> Jefferson. I, I could cough them up. You could get your running back by committee. You could send him on to Detroit. He could help school Jameer Gibbs and go crazy with Montgomery, and we could go from there. Hey, let them do the one-year trial. Let them do it. Get them out of there. I, I really don't like the way that they disrespecting people. Like, in, I'm sorry I got to mm-hmm. say this on air with Sports City, but this is how they do people in America. It ain't even just the NFL, but this is how they do America. They use you until they don't need you no more. Then they terminate you. They fire you. Say you ain't worth it unless somebody yeah. could check yeah. their resume and see if they want to bring you back in. And it's the same thing they do with Taylor. Like, his resume don't speak for itself in a short window of time. Like, I can see if he was burnt out in the league going crazy. This dude has only been there for a short amount of time. So um, just know that this happens across the board in America, and, and hopefully um, everything goes according to plan for him. That's what I can think of. Yeah, yeah. Greenwood, anything from you? Um, I guess the last thing I can say about the subject is that um, the the plight of the running back is is real. Um, the I guess the question is, what structures can we put in place to fix that, and would the owners be willing to put that into place, considering how lucrative? Because I mean, um, dollar for dollar, I would be willing to bet that outside of quarterbacks, the most uh, money generating players in the NFL are running backs mostly because of fantasy football. People, you know, will see a certain running back just kill it for them in their league, and they'll probably buy a jersey or um, or whatever whatever have you. So, like like I said, outside of quarterbacks, even though wide receivers are, are paid more, and some would say the numbers would say deservedly so, Running backs are a money maker, so it's not like they can delete the position like they do with fullbacks. So yeah. it's just interesting to see what's going to happen next. Yeah, call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. 
uh, lots of little sports to be chefs. Uh, one to spin you around training camp. Um, one to give you guys the time to talk about what's going on with your particular teams. But before we get there, I, I, I can't, you know, not talk about this Sean Payton, um, you know, press conference when he pretty much just took a big dump on the, the last regime and a couple of his current employers. Um, Nathaniel Hackett has responded, said something how he broke the code, living in glass houses, and, and it, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of stuff. And, and honestly, to be honest with you, I'm here for it all. That week four matchup just became must see TV. But Greenwood, I'll come back to you, sir. Um, how do you feel about this Sean Payton thing? And you know, Robert Sala, you know, talking in code, and it's it, it's fun, man. What, what do you think about it? So, I mean, first of all, is it kind of messed up what Sean Payton did? A little bit, but was he wrong? Absolutely not. Nathaniel Hackett was the most inept uh, head coach that I've seen since Matt Patricia. Like, it's it's that bad. Um, Urban Meyer says, hold his beer. (laughs) It was... um, it was it was probably like it was the worst waste of top tier NFL talent that I've ever seen. Um the the Nathaniel Hackett regime for the, the Denver Broncos. And that's why they went and they spent draft capital and actual capital to go get Sean Payton. Because they saw the talent on this team and they saw how terribly Nathaniel Hackett made the decision to use it. And the only reason why Hackett has a job now is because they were hoping that it would, and they did successfully bring in Aaron Rodgers. And that was the whole point of Denver signing him too, was, oh, hey, this is going to get us Aaron Rodgers. It was a nod to the quarterback, not his um, his football acumen. So, uh, yes, I understand there's a code and uh, it's not the nicest thing to throw the guy under the bus, but um, if if you have a problem with it, beat Denver week four, man. That's all I got to say. I mean, ultimately, Greenwood, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, Sean Payton isn't is lying there. Um, you know, everything that he, you know, said, you know, he has since, you know, apologized and kind of walked it, trying to walk it back, but we all seen it. We all heard it. Uh, villain, I'll come to you next, man. This Sean Payton, Nathaniel Hackett, Robert Sala, New York Jets, Denver Bronco beef, man, is it's quite interesting, man. What say you about it? What's beef? Beef is when you can't walk up in the streets, right? Something like that. You know, uh, talk can't about roll, it. No talk less, about it. Can't roll no less than 30 deep, right, guys? I mean, listen. <laughs> um Listen, Peyton was absolutely wrong, and, and, and controversy's right. And, and Peyton knows he was wrong because he's come out and said, essentially, that he's going to, you know, reach out to Hackett and apologize. You know, there's a code of my coaches. You don't – you can say it behind closed doors, but you don't put it out there for everybody to hear. He didn't say it behind closed doors and it leaked out. Like, he literally said it so that, people, you know, to other people so that people can hear. Is he wrong? Absolutely not, because we all talked about how much of a shit show 
it was last year, like with, especially with Russell Wilson coming in there with his own coaches and, and Peyton shot that down as soon as he got hired. Like, nah, it ain't on my watch. We ain't rolling like that. This is how it's going to be run. You know, he had to clean up a, a pretty bad situation. But you don't put it out there to embarrass another guy, especially, you know, when – what if he didn't have a job and you embarrass him? He might not have been able to get another job. We know Hackett was going to get a job because that's Aaron Rodgers' boy. So, But you need to be graceful, you know, with the man that was there before and the people that are coming after you because you wouldn't want somebody to do that to you. But now you got Aaron Rodgers basically pulling a Will Smith. Keep my coach's name out your mother. Uh, you know, like You know what I mean? Like so I, I like that Rogers defended him and I like Salah came you know, came and defend you, but what is what is he supposed to say? You know what I mean? That's his guy, you know what I mean? So listen, it was a bad look by Peyton. He knows better. Um because, you know, he wouldn't want somebody he – did, he didn't want the coaches in New Orleans to come talk about how he ran things before he departed, right? You know, he might not got he might not have gotten this job if somebody had disrespected him and, and talked about how he ran things in New Orleans, good, bad, or indifferent. So, um, shame on Peyton, but I like the fire. I like the beef. I like it. You know, we need a little bit more of that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? <laughs> T.T., man, I'll come to you, sir, man. Um, you know, my man started his whole, you know, speech by quoting the, the notorious B.I.G., man. How, how'd that song start, uh, T.T.? I, I forgot. Refresh my memory. You want to sit more on my living room floor, play Nintendo with so, you and me. Um, <laughs> the, the, the crazy part about this is I'm going to go to another song. And um, it's called What Goes Around, Comes Around by Nas Jones. And he said, people that live off of karma, that vicious word called karma is back. So both of these guys are in trouble. I hope you know that, right? Hackett is living off of a Peyton Manning cosign. A lot of people are getting around the NFL with these Peyton Manning cosigns, which is bull crap. I'm tired of it. Like, People got to make a name for themselves. It's not fair for everybody if they don't know the manic. Like, that's bull crap. So now you got this situation flying for Hackett. Hackett has to prove himself in New Jersey basically in a year, two years tops, because I don't know how long Rodgers has. Rodgers will be 40 December 2nd. He's a Sagittarius just like me. How much longer do you think Rodgers has in his gun? He took a $35 million contract cut to bring people there now because it's basically Super Bowl or bust for him because all the time that he's wasted in Green Bay, only getting one, right? So Hackett has some fish to fry. But in that song, it goes, what goes around, comes around. Because guess what just happened yesterday, two days ago? Tim Patrick just tore something. I think it's Achilles. So last year he had started the season. Tearing, no, it was ACL last year. He tore his ACL last year. He tore his Achilles this year. And this is the way that Hackett had to start that season. And this is the way that Sean Payton's going to have to start the season without another receiver. So now it's like, okay, so if you don't get a better outcome with what you got without a receiver that we're, they're looking for to be a big piece of the puzzle, then what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Let alone, we don't know if Russ has it or not, because I've been a big advocate of Russell Wilson, 
But the way that he looked, he couldn't Superman his way through a lot of those games. And it, do we blame it all on coaching, or we, do we blame it on the decline of Russell Wilson? Are we seeing the decline? Like, I don't want to say a fall like how Max was always saying that about Tom Brady. We're going to see him fall off a cliff. I don't want to say that about Russ because Russ still has a lot of talent. But the way that that season ended, like, some of that is like people were saying Russ was porous. What if Russ ain't that guy? And, and you already, you know, kind of restricting him from having people that he feel comfortable with to make, you know, the plays and throws. I, I know that they look at you as a guru while you were with Drew Brees. What can you do now? with Russell Wilson, if you can't get it to look better, if you guys aren't 500 or better, and I, I, and I really want to put that on you, it has to be 8 and 9 or better, like like 9 and 8, 8 and 9. I, I want to kind of be civil with it because it is a big jump, especially being in the AFC West with the Chiefs and all of them around you, and all of them are getting better except probably the Raiders. I don't really feel like the Raiders are going to make the jump, but the Chargers are going to come out better, especially all the money that they just threw at – uh. Herbert, and you got to deal with the Chiefs whether you like it or not. And um, now you're going to have a bullseye on you because you're talking crap across the NFL and no game has been played yet. So um, it, it's a vicious word called karma. You know I try to stay clear and dear away from her because she is one horrible female dog. And um, both of them got to face it. Whether Hackett can help turn that thing around and get that magic back with him and Rodgers because uh, you know the Jets are more defensively driven. And can the Broncos get back to that offensive relevancy that they used to have when they had Peyton Manning and Elway and them guys, you know, running the show? Or is Russ, you know, has he hit his peak in Seattle and can't do nothing in Colorado? So we'll see what happens in this coming up. But karma is what stands in the way for both of these coaches. You know, you mentioned karma and – I, I I think if we're going to cut this piece of pie and, and hand it to the appropriate parties, I honestly think that the bigger piece of this karma pie, if you will, needs to lay at the feet uh, of Sean Payton because he, he, he started this piece. You know what I'm saying? You know, Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett wasn't going to press conferences talking about, you know, Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. That He, he brought that fight to him. Um, so, honestly, at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I think the New York Jets and the Denver Broncos have a lot of stuff to work out on the field as well as off the field. But ultimately, I'm here for the smoke because it's going to make for a great, a great viewing experience, um, you know, the, the fourth week of the season when, when these two teams score off. Call the numbers 929-477-2759, lock over the Sports City Chef. Um TP, I wanted to go right back to you, man. Uh, training camp has, has officially been on the way for a couple of days now. Uh, pads came on this week for a lot of different teams, man. Give me uh, a lay of the land. What's going on in Detroit, man? How you feel? How you think they're going to shake out, you know, getting ready for the first piece of the game? Stop the madness. Stop it right now. Just make them run. Keep them in shape. Stop the madness. I don't want any more things to happen in Detroit. I don't want it no more. I don't want it anymore. Stop it all right now. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so uh, first we start out with CJ, GJ. He went down. Everybody thought it was catastrophic because the way he started acting, but there was no structural damage. He's back out on the field. Thank goodness because that's what a lot of people were, you know, giving us the, the tickets to the hype train basically because he was around and helped improve the defensive secondary. So then days go by. And then this is what really has me like worry. Like I'm, I'm really biting my nails because it's, it's almost like boxing. You know, once somebody gets knocked out in a fight, 
it's like that button is always able to be hit once they get hit on the chin. And Pene Sewell caught a concussion. And I don't want this to be a lingering situation because this dude is a Pro Bowl tackle. I feel like he'll be fighting for all pro this year, uh, especially with all the expectancy that they put into him. They're making him a leader. I don't know if he's got captain value yet, but they're looking to him to have that. And um, he's out for a couple of days. I think they said he'll be back as of Wednesday. But if it were me, sit your tail down. Like, like sit down for at least another three days. <laughs> you okay. You're okay. We can, we can figure this out. Let, let some other people get some reps in, do what you need to do. But that bothers me. That Penny is, I don't even know who struck him, if Hutchinson or somebody got to him. But it's like that. Somebody had to be a monster to get to him to give him a concussion. That's a big Samoan that you got messed up. And then um, the recent news is one of the guys that I like a lot is uh, Shane Zilstra. Uh, He's out for the season. He had a a knee injury that's going to sit him out. Um, The crazy thing is, is that Dan Campbell was picking up a lot of tight ends as it is. But this actually kind of shores out the group now that Zilstra, you know, suffers an injury at a, a un, you know, not reluctant of a situation that he's out. So now it's Mitchell out of Virginia Tech who had a decent season as of Hawkinson leaving. He had a couple catches and a touchdown or two. Um, of course, I'm one of my favorites that they keep overlooking. I don't like that they overlook him, but I feel like Brock Wright is the guy until the rookie that everybody's gawking over, including Kittle. And Kelsey, they love him, and Sam Laporta. So at least you got these three at the tight end position. But Zilstra was more of the receiver tight end. He had the, you know, the speed of a receiver, but the size of a tight end. So it's, it's interesting that he's gone. I wonder who, if they try to squeeze in uh, another guy that they have picked up as well at the rookie. I mean, uh, as a rookie tight end position. But uh, at least they got their solid three. I think Wright will still end up being a starter until Laporta really, you know, has that burst onto the scene. But I feel like. Uh, Laporta will end up being the starter once they get comfortable with him because he has so much of that twitch and um, I'm hearing so much in camp right now that kind of has me very fired up Um, they're saying Jamison Williams even though he has a six game suspension um, he's actually been having a case of drops out there he hasn't really been catching a lot and rookie uh, Starlin Thomas the fifth a corner has been giving him fits, and they almost fought. And they said Jameson swung on him. So it's like I could tell that healthy competition is there. You know that happens once the pads come out. Um, a couple of different situations of twins trying to fight twins because they're they trying to get after it and get their job or prove that they deserve to be here. And, and, and I really feel it. Dan Campbell really has this whole team ready to run through a wall, and I love the electricity. It's just that, just like he's saying, don't let this hype train get out of control, but – we got to be able to maintain it as best as possible. And I don't I don't want to buy into it because I've been through the good and the bad and having expectancies of having an explosive season and it don't pan out. But it's so much valuable players across the board that they they have the ability to do well. I do want to say that. I want to say the wrong thing and mess up. But the Lions, can, they're, they're the talk right now. If you look in Las Vegas, and y'all know I go every December, in Vegas – the most bet team to get or win the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, y'all, 35% of the bet is on the Detroit Lions. So there's a lot of expectancy, all of the hype, so on and so forth. That's why I'm like, end this now. We look good and everybody likes it across the board. Keep these boys healthy. Just run and keep these, just hydrate them. That's it. Just, just watch the plants grow and then we go out there and do what we can throughout the season. That's all I'm asking. Rook. 
Real quick, real quick, what's your position on Derek Barnes and uh, Julian Okawa? Okwara, Okwara. Um, I oh, love Colin, every yeah. last bit of our edge rushers, all of them. It, that, that edge rusher group is so crazy for Detroit. I don't care who come in the game. Like, like I don't care who come in the game right now. I don't care. Listen, James Houston played six games. I think it was six games. Six or seven games, he had eight sacks in that time. Aiden Hutchinson was runner-up for rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the year. You got Jeff Pascal that's supposed to be the better defensive end out of them. That boy won SEC defensive player of the year. You got the O'Quara brothers as well. This, that edge rusher situation, whoever gets tired, they, they better not come out because somebody will come in there and shine. If, if they could cause mayhem up the middle with Aline McNeil, Bugs, and um, Levi, the kid out of Washington, if they could cause enough mayhem to make them focus on the interior part of that line, those edge rushers are getting one-on-ones and maybe a chip here or there by a running back if they get, you know, dodger to get underneath it. Those quarterbacks could be in a lot of trouble. I don't know if Mahomes, because Mahomes is a different breed, but a lot of other quarterbacks pick your poison. I, I, I love it right now. I, I really love it. Okay. I mean, honestly, I mean, the Detroit Lions have, have been the talk of, of the all season um, ever since they came on strong a season ago. So the fact that, you know, 30% of, of, of bets, are, are, are kind of on the Detroit Lions to, to do something decent this year. It doesn't shock me. Uh, Villain, I, I'll come to you next, sir. The New York football giants have been uh, pretty busy, been in the offseason, uh, excuse me, been in the news a lot this offseason with the whole Saquon, Daniel Jones stuff. But now they put the pads on and get ready to go to work, man. Um, are you guys, have you guys found a receiver or are you still going to be dinking and dunking the Saquon and trying to throw stuff to – you know, Darren Waller, talk to me, man. Yeah, you know, I didn't get a chance to go to, to camp today. I was go, trying to go, but like I told you, my, my kid had his first day of football practice, so um, I didn't get a chance to go to camp. But I had some friends go Sunday. I had some people that went last week as well. Uh, so got a, quite a bit of news and sprinkling here and there. Um Saquon's in camp, as we know, like I said, I feel like he shouldn't have signed the deal, but he did, and I'm happy that he's there because, you know, I'm a fan first. Um, so all is well at Giants camp. Um, you know, really what the buzz has really been about is how well um, Jalen Hyatt has looked. Like, he really has like, – he ran 24 miles an hour, um, and I think that's cheetah level if I'm not mistaken. Um, he's looked really good. So at the receiver position, he's going to be one of those guys that's really going to be pushing to the top of the list. Hodgins had a – he's had a slow camp. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins, the, the receiver that kind of came onto the scene last year, so we'll see how he performs. But uh, Jalen Hyatt, the rookie out of Tennessee, is looking really good so far. Um, they're saying Darren Waller is unguardable which is really, really encouraging because he's come off some pretty rough injury seasons, like you guys know. Uh, I think TP alluded to it before, too. So, um, you know, to see him having a good camp being um, practically on garble, which isn't saying a lot, because the linebacker core for the Giants is kind of weak, a little bit better with the drafting and stuff, but still, um, you know, safeties and or everybody's having trouble guarding this guy. So, um, that's a good sign. So Daniel Jones has looked sharp. Um, I think 
you know, Saquon's looked really good, really helping out the rookies, like helping out the rookie Gray from Oklahoma. Um, you know, Saquon's just a leader, man. He he really he's about ball. He wants to be for his teammates. Um, the rookie that you talked about, Sirius Dante Banks, kind of have having a little bit of a rough camp, but it's hard for receivers and, and cornerbacks to have cornerbacks because there's no contact, so receivers usually usually get the leg up. Um, like you showed that video we were talking about earlier, receivers kind of get the leg up on cornerbacks, so we'll see how that plays out. Giants had a little bit of an injury on the offensive line, but for the most part, the rookie uh, centers look good. Uh, Andrew Thomas, record deal for um, coming coming in. Not not a record-breaking deal, but a big contract. He got ex- his extension, so he, he's taken care of. Uh, Evan Neal, second year, lost about 10, 15 pounds, gained some muscle, um, really looking lean. So the offensive line looks like it's in a in a good spot. So really no injuries, like kind of like what TP was saying with his team, trying to weather that storm, really haven't seen the injury bug hit the Giants yet too hard. Like I said, we had a backup guard that got um, placed on IRs, for, so he's not eligible to come back. I think it's the guard that we, we signed from the Steelers, I believe. So um, – you know, we had to pick up another guy, but for the most part, knock on wood, been healthy, good camp so far. Um, we're really looking forward to this season. I mean, that's that's my Giants. Let me ask you this question, and then uh, I, I, I'll go, and then we'll, we'll shut it down with, with Greenwood. When you start talking about, you know, your receivers and position battles, um, like how do you expect or how do you foresee that whole situation unfolding? Obviously, you know, you don't have a lot of quote-unquote big-name guys or household guys unless you're a fan of the team. But for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is going to have to dunk the ball somewhere. Um, you know, how do you see that, you know, division of labor kind of, you know, divvying out, if you will? So you mean, like, at the receiver position particularly? Yeah. Yeah, particularly at the receiver position. Yeah, I mean, you know, it helps that when you have, like, a, a good tight end, right? Like, so look at the Kansas City situation, right? Like, they don't have a true number one wide out, but they have the best tight end in the league. And I'm not trying to say Darren Waller's on that same level as uh, Travis Kelsey, but he's pretty damn good, right? So having that, that tight end that can really do some things really – opens it up for other positions, right? You can run some some combo action with other receivers because now you have to pay attention to the tight end over the middle with the safety, maybe with the linebacker. So you can get some single high, some single coverage. You can do some drag routes. You can do some, some mesh routes that kind of get receivers open and, you know, makes really – who's going to step up to be that receiver that can play alongside Darren Waller, right? I think you got Hyatt. I think you got um, Crowder that's coming in here. Shep should be able to play in the slot. Uh, Wendell Robinson, when he comes back. So they got some guys that can play in the slot that can get across the middle and and get some combo routes behind or in front of uh, Waller. I think that's kind of their play. I, I, I don't, I I I I'm really fine. I don't really feel like they need that really that Justin Jefferson guy yet. I think they can get by with what they have. Okay, I mean, you know, that's your squad, and I, I kind of 
you know, have to, you know, take you at, at face value. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that particular take. I mean, my, my, my thinking is you try to go strike gold anytime you get an opportunity to. Um, and again, you guys were potentially in play for Ordo Beckham Jr. You guys were in play for potentially landing DeAndre Hopkins and, and, and you know, and whatnot. So I think that even well, though you it, guys – it's tough, serious. It's, it's tough because I agree with you those guys were in play, but they didn't have the cap space to get them. I mean, they didn't have right, the cap again, space to sign Beckham at that. What did, what did Beckham end up getting? What, 15, like 17? 16.5 or something. 17, something. Yeah, I mean, it, it was yeah. a high number. It was a high number. Next year, I they'll have the cap. I, 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 next year, they'll I have the cap. I, 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 I guess my point is, though, like, mm-hmm. I think the Giants struck out a net. And I think now, mm-hmm. based on how it – well, I think, I think you – again, you were in play for DeAndre Hopkins. You were in play, you know, potentially – for Odell Beckham Jr. And, you know, again, you didn't but have to not have at that, to make not it at that money. Not at that money. Again, I, well, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not saying the Giants are wrong for not signing them. What I'm saying is that they, they, they were in play and, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's money or fit or whatever, because they be, it didn't get done. So now you're left, in my opinion, with quote unquote less than you know, elite talent at the wide receiver position. So, again, I understand your point. You know, Tennessee doesn't have elite tight wide receiver room. They got a decent tight end, but they also got Patrick Mahomes and arguably one of the greatest coaches to ever put on a headset calling and play for him. So, I mean, yeah. everything is not created equal, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Giants do um, as far as, you know, throwing the football. I mean, again, Tom Barkley blocked off it, but we all understand the injury history and the injury situation of Darren Waller, and so you'll be a fool if you expect him to play a full 17, but we'll see what happens, man. That's why they play the football game. Um, for me, and again, I'll I, I, I keep it sweet, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, put the tag on the day, um, and I've been following it. I'll be out there with my father on Friday, uh, actually boots on the ground, and a couple of things of note. Um, that I wanted to bring you guys' attention. Darnell Washington is as good as advertised. I really believe that he's going to be a guy who we can, you know, split out wide or use in the red zone. Uh, Darnell Washington is the rookie tight end that we picked up from the University of Georgia. Um, Joey Porter Jr. Um, is very, very physical. He's been in the classroom working really, really well with Patrick Peterson, which is what I had hoped for, fingers crossed. Uh, when we sign them, hopefully that translates into game action uh, when we suit up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming up here in a couple of days. Um, a couple of injury notes, uh, Corey Trice, uh, rookie uh, cornerback, uh, was caught off the field today. Uh, we don't know the significance of that injury, but all signs um, look to hopefully him being able to get back. We made also, again, I'm trying to speak in fast. We've got a little bit of time left. Uh, we made a we made a significant signing signing Quan Alexander, so he came in uh, to the fold um, on Monday and really started going to work. I think that adds significant depth to a linebacker room, which we totally revamped. The, line, the inside linebackers that we had on the roster last year are nowhere on the roster this year. Bringing in Cole Holcomb, now Quan Alexander, um, Roberts from Miami. 
Um, we drafted Art Nick Heiberg from the University of Wisconsin. Um, so I'm excited to see what our defense of linebacking core looks like. Our offense is looking like they're going to be making strides to do something significantly different from a season ago now. If you watch and listen to my finger food from a season ago, I have dragged this offense. Hell, not just from a season ago, a couple of seasons ago, even when we had Big Ben in the, in, in, in the, on the squad, our offense has been literally lethargic. We had averaged close to 16 to 17 points a game. We had the most one-score games in a three-year span out of every NFL team combined. Okay, so we can't step away from nobody. We don't go down the field. So what I'm seeing right now out of camp with the acquisition of Allen Robinson, who adds significant depth, and Kevin Austin coming back from a season-ending injury from a season ago, George Pickens and Kenny Pickett in year two, um, I am ecstatic to watch what happens, not to mention our offensive line got significantly better signing um, the offensive lineman from the Philadelphia Eagles, Samalu, going out and picking up um, um, Broderick Jones from the University of Georgia in the first round, and he and Dan Moore are kind of battling right now to see who gets more first-team reps at that offensive tackle spot. I am ecstatic right now to see what this offense potentially looks like now. Me and my dad said, me and my dad spoke a couple days ago, and he said this, at this particular point, and we do not see significant improvement from our offense. Matt Canada has no excuse. I think the time is actually ticking on Matt Canada. Because, again, if you listen to my finger food and listen to what I've been talking about for the past couple years, I have literally dragged Matt Canada through the mud. But my dad said, Aaron, hold on a second. Take a step back and look at it like this. This isn't Matt Canada's office. He doesn't have the pieces in play to run what he does. He doesn't have the quarterback mobility to do the, the option in the, in the quarterback rollout because we had Big Ben there. And then we showed up the season last year with Mr. Trubisky and this, that, and the third. And so I, I gave my dad the minutes of this out. I said, yo, Pop, check this out. Let me see what he does this year. Because if you look at how Kenny Pickett ended last year, we were a 7-2 ball club, and Kenny Pickett led two fourth-quarter drives and this, that, and the third. And he was able to kind of start to understand. And if you know how quarterbacks deal with the year two – under our offense, they tend to get it better than they did year one. So I'm very, very encouraged to see what happens uh, this year with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Again, I have boots on the ground on Friday, so I'll be sending you guys pictures and news and notes, and you best believe when I get back in my building uh, on Tuesday, uh, I have a finger food ready for you guys. But with that being said, we got a little bit of time. Oh, they, they finally extended some time. So Greenwood, I, I'm going to come to you next, sir. Um, training camp is up and running. Uh, what say you? I'm not even sure what team you're following, what team you're watching. So I'm going to let you paint with a broad brusher. Give me some stuff that you're looking at um, training camp-wise, and we'll go from there. So, um, TP, I have been watching the Detroit Lions uh, training camp a little bit, but TP did No, no, like turn his mic off. Turn his mic off. Turn his mic off. Turn him off. Turn him off. Turn him off. Turn him off. Turn his mic off. I just want to see them That's That's why I watch them. Turn his mic off. I don't want him talking about my team. Listen, in the words of Dennis Green, I can't, no. We let him off the hook. And in the words of Mike Singletary, I can't win with him. I need winners. I can't win with him. I can't. 
I can't win with him. No. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Bang. I'm not playing. Bang. No. So there, there, there are a few things that, that, that Ty did uh, neglect in the Detroit Lions um, training camp. I do want to get off my Don't worry about it. 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 We are right. We are right. I don't think you guys heard of them. But, um, but the Detroit Lions did invite one. Teddy Bridgewater into um into oh, okay. Okay. Now, now my now my his mic just may stop working. I told you. I told you. I told you. I told you. See. I told you. So the other thing is that um that. Um, Julian Aquara is actually on the bubble and might get cut um, this offseason. That that's not a that's not a joke at all. Like that's how deep the Detroit Lions um, defensive end core has gotten. That Julian Aquara might end up not making the team and could easily be, I would say, a strong um, backup if not a starter for some teams in the league. Other things I've been keeping an eye on is the quarterback battle in um, in Tampa Bay. Kyle Trask um, has been, I mean, it's a battle between two guys who shouldn't be starting in the first place, but Kyle Trask <laughs> has been getting serious, serious ground on Baker Mayfield. Um, so it is entirely possible that we see him overtake him in the next week or two and start getting first um, first team reps. Um, and then oh, the wow. last crazy. I mean, that's crazy. You got You got to see it. No, I've seen it in camp. Baker looks bad. Baker can't. He can't even Baker hit fullback. He can't even hit fullback oh, on wow. the run. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. They don't even go long. Listen, back, back. When you see, look, look, look. Barry, serious, Barry, watch this, watch this, Barry, serious, watch this. When you can go on YouTube and catch it, it's like a fullback that does like a quick out route. Yo, he threw the ball like 17 yards, and the, the, the fullback was like five yards away from him. They all looked at Baker like, what's going on? Baker just licked his fingertips like, I'm about to get it back. It's like, wait, what? You you hurting that bad? It's, it's bad. It's bad. They they put him off of, uh, they put his video against this, the audio with the offbeat music. <laughs> Like, you know, that's, 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 it is something to see. I'm not playing around. I'm not making it up. He, he's like like his tight ends and fullbacks, like the slower people that it should be an ABC throw for him. He's struggling on those. Like, it's it's going to be mayhem to see. Like, just like James said, who is the starter for the Bucks? That's Man, Brady, they might beg him to come out of retirement. They might beg him. Um, and the last one you that, I, that on I've YouTube got. Right now. It should be. Uh, you should be able to find it on YouTube, yeah. Um, the last thing I've got on my um, on, on the plate is the quarterback battle in San Francisco. Um, it's mm. not necessarily a battle for the for the starting position anymore. I'm pretty sure Brock Purdy, assuming he's healthy, is going to um, is going to have the job. But Trey Lance has been rumored to fall all the way down to the third string quarterback, 
and potentially fourth-string quarterback. So I'm pretty sure that the Trey Lance um, experiment, if you want to call it that, is over in San Francisco, and they may look to try to trade him sooner rather than later and try to recoup anything they can off the guy. But honestly, I think this is just a waste of a lot of draft capital. So let me ask you this question. I, I wanted to double click on this whole college, you know, this whole San Francisco thing. Um, why haven't they moved them yet? That's what I understand. Like, why why are the 49ers holding on to him if you are hell bent on making Brock Purdy your guy? And again, I, I think he earned it. I think he went out there and balled out, and I think he's a significant reason why. Jimmy Garoppolo is is playing for the for the Raiders, which may be short lived anyway. But why not move him? Why why didn't he get moved on trade day? Why why is he still why? Who Trey Lance? Yeah, why he still Yeah, why Yeah, why not why wouldn't you why wouldn't you keep him? It's insurance against Brock Purdy if he's not fully recovered. At that point you didn't know if he was fully recovered on trades, you know. On draft day, they thought he wouldn't be ready early in the season. So, and and Trey Lance, it, it would be in his best interest to stay in San Francisco at least for a year to recover from his injury, get a year under his belt, and then if he had to go somewhere else, right, then he could probably parlay that into another team. So, I think for both sides, it was a win-win. Like the worst case scenario is if he he sits a year, gets healthy, and then moves on, and then best case is. Purdy's not healthy. He can go in there and play and, and, and raise his value. I think I think he has more value next year than he does this year. And, and, I mean, both um, men are coming on top off. Of that, I, I, on top of that, I think that the um, that the San Francisco 49ers and, and the general manager specifically didn't want to admit that he messed up that bad on, on a process. Yeah. Because it's not they right. just drafted him in the first round. First round bucks happen all the time. But this is a guy they traded up for, so they were supremely confident. They they traded not only a um, not only did they spend the first round pick on, but I believe they traded um, another what was it, another first or second round pick on top of that to make sure they got this guy. So they want to make sure they've exhausted all possible scenarios um, to see if this guy could actually succeed. And the the short answer is he can't. Well, I mean, you have both guys that are coming off injury. So, I mean, I guess I kind of recant my question because literally, you know, you got the blind leading the blind. You got, you know, they, they both were significantly injured. Um, so, I guess essentially you need a backup. But this whole mm-hmm. this whole San Francisco quarterback situation it is is literally questionable for me. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Locked on the Sports City Chefs. Um, yesterday we had a a, a mock draft. Um, and Dylan, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm gonna talk about your article here in a second. But uh, mm-hmm. me and myself, myself, a couple friends of mine, and and Greenwood here uh, drafted. So Greenwood, I'm gonna give you the floor first. Uh, talk about a little bit of your draft and kind of why you made the picks you made 
Um, and then Dylan and TP, feel free to pop in and, you know, talk about it a little bit as well, including your article that you wrote on sportsychefs.com recently talking about, you know, handcuffs and standalone value, which I kind of don't agree with per se, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. So I don't remember exactly who I ended up taking, um, and I can't seem to find the draft on on, um, on Sleeper, but I can I have a decent remembrance of what I had going on. Um, started the draft with uh, A.J. Brown, the wide receiver from the Philadelphia Eagles. That was at pick 110. Um, there weren't really any first-round running backs that I, I really wanted, other than Nick Chubb, who I was very confident would get back to me just based off of ADP. Uh, Nick Chubb was my second round pick in round two, um, the 203. And um, Nick Chubb has basically been Mr. Reliable for years now at the running back position, where other guys have gone up and down, injured, this, that, and the third. Nick Chubb has been pretty solid running back and has, and I believe he's finished a good number of the past five years as a running back one, um, bare minimum, and probably a top five if you really wanted to push that number. So having him at the top of round two was pretty good. I don't exactly remember who was the round three pick for myself, um, but I do know it was another running back. My guess is probably Jameer Gibbs, thinking of, where that draft was happening. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is interesting. Um, I don't think he's going to get the same treatment as DeAndre Swift did, um, have just being completely locked out of goal line situations. And word from training camp has been saying that even when um, Montgomery has been getting the running back role, he's um, Gibbs has still been in as a slot wide receiver or a split back or some other capacity. So it seems as though the Lions have all intentions of using him um, as a receiver on top of a, on top of being a running back, and that it that explodes his PPR value. Um, follow that with a, another wide receiver, and honestly, I'm not. I'm really starting to lose the plot of who that happened to be. I almost want to say it was Mike Evans, but I can't remember. Um, and that's just... I'm trying to go back and find um, it for you. Hold on a second. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Yo, Sears, you, you would think he liked the... You would think he's a Lions fan or something, the way he talk about us, don't you? Know what you think? I tell you what, man, he's trying to come back home. He's trying to come back home. Oh, no. He said he's trying to go back home. I'm coming. I'm coming. I have to continue to not be there, be a, a fan of the Detroit Lions. When I left, that's when they started to turn things around and make it. They actually make great. Wonderful. Stay out of here. Get get out. Go. (laughs) Get out of here. Bye. Bon voyage. I make myself a Dallas Cowboys fan. I think that would be a good place to go. That'd be Um, perfect. I I would sign up for that. I would. I would. I'm I'm bringing yourself there. I'm helping you. Sign them up. Yeah, but 
Let's move them to Arlington, Dallas, Fort Worth area. Let's get them some Cowboys stuff. Let's go. We them boys, this is our year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, Dak, Dak is the top five quarterback. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Wow. 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 You know he doesn't believe that. You know who his top five is, Sharon? It's Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy. Teddy B. Because he throws heart garbage. <laughs> yeah, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. I spit that hot fire. So honestly, um, I mean, I I can't seem to pull it up. So um, do this. Let's do this. Let's pivot to your article you were speaking about, and I'll talk about my team here, and then we can talk about the article. So you wrote an article, sportsyourself.com. We kind of did a mock draft there. Talk to me about that one. Okay. So – so this is um, so I do plan on doing a series of um, of mock drafts on SportsDayChefs.com, following different um, different drafting methods, and then I will throw in one more for a um, for a uh, auction league. I don't particularly like auction leagues, but I'll I'll throw around a strategy or two and see what we can find out from that. Um, this was the tried and true traditional strategy of running back, running back early. Um, two running backs in the first three rounds. And this is, even even now, um, obviously it depends on where you're drafting. If you're picking the back end of the round, the strategy kind of falls on its face. But as a generalized strategy, if you have that opportunity to take a, um, a bell cow running back in round one, you take it. So in this, this year's class, you're thinking Christian McCaffrey. You're thinking... Um, you're thinking uh, Austin Eckler, uh, especially in PPR leagues. You're thinking Nick Chubb, perhaps, um, if you're picking later on in the first round or early second. Um, that's that's where you kind of are are looking for that like top four or five guys at the running back position. If Jonathan Taylor makes up with Jim Irsay, then he becomes a different definite target there. And then in round two, you come right back and do the exact same thing again. Um, I believe it was Josh Jacobs and um, Josh Jacobs and Austin Eckler from the 104 and the um, and the 209. I am I am bullish on um, on both of these guys because. The number one thing in fantasy football is opportunity. Opportunity will always win the day um, over a more talented running back. And Austin Eckler has nobody behind him, nobody that's going to steal those touches. So you can probably expect Eckler to end up in at 75% of the snaps and probably when we talk about total running back touches, probably a similar amount. Follow that with Josh Jacobs, who was at 90% um, running share for the Las Vegas Raiders last year. 
I don't expect him to hit exactly that 90% mark, but I have a feeling that he's still going to hit the high 70s to 80s mark and just get ridden for that one year um, for that one year of his contract, uh, the, the franchise tag contract. And he's just going to keep even on though he's not at camp. Um, even if he's not at camp, I don't it's not going to be in his best interest to hold out for more than six weeks. So at the end of it all, worst case scenario, and this, and you can use this uh, as a thing for literally any running back on the field. Um, that's Derek Henry's in the same way. He's not holding out of camp, but um, he could always do so because he's, um, he's running late on his contract as well. You're also going to uh, – Alvin Kamara is going to be gone for six weeks as well. So, that, uh, well, is likely to be for um, for suspension. So it's – and so your option is Christian McCaffrey. Uh, if you're looking for somebody who's solid and he has only spent one year outside um, where he's played all 16-17 games, and that was last year. Every other year, um, to note, he's missed at least a couple. So that's this is why running back is a little bit of a um, of a hazy ground right now because of all the holdouts, all of the posturing for um, for for more money and a better contract, um, which does make one think that zero RB is um, viable. But it seems like if you're using that strategy you look at the running backs that are coming off in the first four rounds and this is what we'll we'll see in um next week or in this week's article uh where I start uh exploring zero R B and the strategy behind that is that most of your running backs because of the uncertainty in the situation is are going in the first four rounds. The vast majority. A lot of teams are picking three um, three running backs in those top three rounds, or three three in the top four or five rounds. So the the pickings get very slim unless you hit on a guy, and then there's the guys so, who are free agents. Go ahead. In your draft yesterday, by the way, in your draft yesterday, by the way, I found it. You went you went AJ Brown, Nick Chubb, Jamar Gibbs, Keenan Allen, Madison, Godwin Ingram. That was your first Alex Madison is a guy who's who is supremely um, underrated right now. Once again, it's all about opportunity. They just got rid of um, James or uh, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin they, Cook. Yeah. Um, yep. They just got rid of Dalvin Cook. They don't have a lot of depth behind Alexander Madison, and um, as of right now, all talk from camp is that he's um, being placed in on first, second, and third down situations. So that right. means okay. that running back share is going up. And this is a guy that you can probably find in round four, five, or six. So okay. I mean, just... we can go back and forth until the cows come home about that. Um, Dylan, I'll come over to you, sir. You pinned an article today, um, sportsyourself.com, talking about standalone value RB2s, RB3s, and running backs that didn't necessarily have standalone value. You mentioned Jamal Warren. You mentioned um, Spears from Tennessee Titans. 
uh, Zamir White from the Vegas Raiders that didn't really necessarily have stand on value, but you also mentioned A.J. Dillon, uh, Samaje P. Ryan, and uh, the rookie Charbonnet, who is hurt now, um, as running backs that have standing on value. Um, give me your reasoning behind that argument, and um, what trends are you kind of seeing right now as you kind of prepare for your fantasy football drafts? What, what, what are you seeing? Well, I mean, you know, somebody asked me about handcuffs, and, you know, you know, I was like, that's probably an interesting thing to probably talk about. Like, all the running backs that I listed in that article have handcuff value just because they're behind – they're a number two running back behind a star running back, but, you know, it's insurance because I've been burned before. Like, last year, I didn't do a handcuff for Jonathan Taylor – uh, I think me and you talked about it, serious, and I got burned. I got burned bad, and you know, once he went down, my my fantasy team just kind of plummeted after that. So, you know, I had never really subscribed to the handcuff value, but now with backup running backs having more value, like I, I really feel like Charbonnet. I felt like um, you know some of the guys that I listed, like Dylan can be a handcuff because they're a number two back, but they also can be a flex option because, you know, Dylan's had seven touchdowns the last two years. You know what I mean? So he's a guy that you can not only have behind Aaron Jones, but you can also flex him if you needed to because he gets enough touches, right? Elijah Mitchell might be Mm -hmm. able to get enough touches in in the run game behind Christian McCaffrey, not just because McCaffrey might get hurt, but because, Mitchell's pretty darn good, and he, he ran for over 1,000 yards his first year. The only reason he's not the, the number one is because he got hurt and they, they traded for McCaffrey. So I think Warren is a guy that you can't flex week to week, but I think he's a guy that if you have him on your team, especially in a 12-person league, 12-manager league that's maybe even deeper than that, he might be able to steal you some points. And, you know, I think I don't think he would snipe Najee Harris, for, for touches or mm-hmm. for touchdowns, but I think he's a guy that if something happened to Harris, Harris was run pretty hard last year. He could you could easily rely on him to be to 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 get into that mix of being a starter if something happened to Harris, and he would be pretty darn effective. And you protect yourself against that injury. That's the last thing you want to happen. So I think that's kind of my premise of standalone value that they don't have because you can't play them every week because they are a true number two. And then the guys that are, are handcuffed that have flex options because they can get you enough touches to be a solid flex, even though they are a backup. So, so I do, I, you mentioned, I want to jump in on this real quick. What would you say if a um, fantasy football player Say drafted Najee Harris early, and then took mm-hmm. two guys who weren't on teams yet, like um, Kareem Hunt and Ezekiel Elliott, and then Ezekiel went Elliott. for the handcuff. What, what, what would you yeah. say to somebody like that? What were you saying, Terry? I'll, I'll ask him. Yeah, I think you were saying something too. No, so I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to that in a second. Uh, villain. Okay. So pretty much what he said, what, what Greenwood is saying is, in the mock draft I did yesterday, I ran zero RB yes. strategy, okay? And mm-hmm. my third pick in the draft was Najee Harris. I didn't touch running back again 
until round 10, where I picked up Ezekiel Elliott. And then I cuffed mm-hmm. Najee Harris with Jalen Warren, and, and then the pick after Jalen Warren was Kareem Hunt. So he's, right. trying, to, he's, he's, trying, to be, he's trying to be slick, but pretty much what he's saying is <laughs> why <laughs> – he ain't funny. I mean, come on. I I I does that. I does that. Pretty much what he's trying to ask you is, what would you say to me because I didn't go with your standalone value selections and decided to use a zero RB strategy, loading up on receivers because the receivers I got are insane. Well, I mean, honestly, you know, handcuffs are. I I think it's it's protection. You're not drafting a handcuff to win. Right, right. Like your that handcuff running back isn't going to win you a championship. Possibly losing a championship, right? Like you can lose everything if your number one running back goes down. If Najee Harris goes down, you're screwed. And especially with your strategy, where you didn't draft a lot of running backs, you need his backup to as a stash for protection. It's it's really, I would. I would, if I was a, looking at your roster, right, where you had so many receivers go, I would have drafted your handcuff just to screw you over. You know what I mean? Like, that's not going to win me a chip, but it's going to stop you from winning a chip, possibly, if something happens to your running back. So that's kind of the strategy I, I, I think of, right? Um, you're, I don't think you're necessarily wrong because I think Cook or – or Ezekiel Elliott or Hunt will find their way to a team and possibly get some, you know, have some some spot games here and there where they're pretty effective, right? So I don't disagree with what you did, but I would be looking at your roster and how you started drafting, and I would. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the the move. I mean, that would be a move that I would particularly make myself. However, um, I get to my roster here in a second. TP, I'll come over to you, sir. Um, you're preparing for your fantasy football drafts. You're seeing the articles that, you know, the chefs is writing. You, are you noticing any trends or anything that's going on when you're in your fantasy football drafts, mocking stuff up, or you're just waiting to go and, and hit the ground running? Well, one one thing, uh, you know, I'm only getting in leagues that are PPR. I'm not doing that no more. And, you know, mm-hmm. watching a, a receiver that could light the board up and could get catches and not get rewarded for it. I'm only doing PPRs from here on in. And um, this has become a passing league, so everybody needs to be aware of that, that the receiver is needed. Even though James did hit on it and saying you could win, you know, championships with the running back, but now these quarterbacks are passing at a premium. So you got to find the, the studs that are getting receptions that you know can get to the house, you know, on a weekly basis, not saying that it's a guarantee because everybody ain't scoring every week. Everybody ain't Randy Moss or Calvin. Like, they're not that. But <clears throat> you got to watch out for those receivers that can make that happen. And it's an interesting thing, James, that, that James did say of uh, how much work uh, Madison can end up getting out there at the running back position out there in Minnesota now that Dalvin's gone. Um, he's really going to end up being their workhorse out there. That's, that's going to be a valuable pick, and you don't really have to waste your time going to get him early and uh, thinking that value isn't there. Even if you do get your other two running backs, he could be that third quality running back that you could have in a stable that could make a difference out there. But definitely uh, keeping my eyes open on a lot of the uh, good receivers. And um, I'm not going to be too shabby around what Deshaun Watson could do. He's going to probably be my second quarterback. I am going to look at trying to get him because he's going to have a point to prove. 
Cleveland's offense, it should be all right. And I think James can be potentially wrong because I've had Nick Chubb for back-to-back seasons. I don't think he's going to be a stud three years in a row. He's going to have to prove to me that he can be a monster. I, I mean, it'd be interesting. To, of course, he's going to always be a top pick at the running back position. I feel like there will be a decline in this just because they know that they're going to uh, try to work Deshaun into that offense. I feel like it's going to be more passing than uh, trying to feed Nick Chubb because of the quarterbacks they have before Deshaun. So it is, these are, you know, a couple of key things that I'm looking at, especially within that AFC mm-hmm. North, how competitive that's going to be. Uh, will Odell be healthy enough to start to – make a case to be a receiver again for a fantasy value as well. Cause I think it could be dynamic if him, Mark Andrews and, and Lamar could get this thing working. You always know Mark Andrews is a mainstay at the tight end position. I, I, if he's there, I'm getting right. him like he, he it's him, Kelsey and kill always are going to be in a discussion for the tight end position. So, and um, Let me ask that's you pretty much about, about Madison. I'm not sure this question about Madison. Where would you draft him? Because I'm seeing a lot of people reach for him and like round five to turn around four. Um, like if you get Madison, you mentioned, you know, RB three flex spot, but people are drafting to be a RB two. Um, would you draft them that high? And I mean, if anybody else wants to answer that question, be be my guest. I mean, I, you know, uh, Greenwood drafted them pretty high yesterday. Uh, and, and the mock, he was the he was his he came off the board in the in the fifth round for for Greenwood yesterday. Um, I I I agree with him. It'd probably be round four through six because uh you know people yeah. are going to be panicking looking for a running back at that point in time. So I, I don't know if it's right, a guarantee right, that right. he'll fall to seven or eight. And just knowing that the the just as it was said before, the premium are trying to get a running back that's going to be a Bell cow for your team, so I wouldn't let him fall past four. Like me, four through six. If it, if it looks like he's just being picked around, get him. But if you know mm-hmm. they coming to get him, uh, you know later, you could play with it if you want to. But I wouldn't go past the uh, fourth or sixth. Yeah, I don't see him being past the RB twenty eight. I think he's in that like twenty four to twenty eight range. So that might be where TP kind of says he's in that fourth to fifth round. I think that's fair. I think he is a, a high-end. I, I think he's a low-end RB2, a high-end RB3. So that range is kind of where I would place him. And I think you can get really good value out of him there. And I, you know what? To, to TP's previous point, that Cleveland offense is interesting with Watson and Cooper. Moore is the guy I'm watching. Elijah Moore. They got Elijah, Elijah Moore to be from the Jets. Yeah, I'm looking at him as a at, he's a, a receiver two on the team, right? Behind Coop, I think he's going to have some single yeah. coverage. I think he's going to have some favorable matchups. I really think him if him and Watson get on the same page, that could be a steal for you in a draft. I, that's just my opinion. I think I'm really watching him. Greenwood, talk to me. You picked it up in the fifth round, man. Talk to me about it. Um, so yeah, Greenwood, um, if you're talking there. Yeah. Uh, so right now he is um, he's currently getting uh, an ADP of five eleven in twelve team leagues. So um, picking him the fifth round, I think is is right on par, and I would be willing to bet that as time goes on, 
uh, once we get closer to the um, the later times in August, we'll probably see his ADP jump out, jump up to the fourth round. So TP's call of four through six is um, I like I don't if, if he was it doesn't matter what my first five rounds look like. Alexander Madison's available in round six. I'm scooping him up, even if I went three running backs before that, um, just because of the the value of the pick. Um, but I, I, I stated my case earlier, he's going to be the bell cow for the, the Minnesota Vikings who have a, an above average offensive line and are in a division where they should be ahead a lot with the exception of when they play the lions. Um, but they should be able to roll over the Packers and then start running the ball late in the game should be able to roll over the bears and run the ball late in games, and those garbage-time running yards are all going to add up. So I think that on top of the opportunity, he has a good amount of talent. And when he has seen the field, he's he hasn't been Dalvin Cook productive, obviously, because if he was, he'd be getting drafted a lot higher. But he's shown, like, um, he's shown the ability to be a player – on the same ilk as like a James Connor who's getting drafted about a round or two higher than him. Um, so I think for value right now, if you're, you're drafting in the next week or so, look for Madison at in the, in the fifth round and you will be happy with it. So here's my whole take on it. You guys understand that I wrote the article about, you know, sage and whatnot and, and, and my, my my issue with putting Madison there is because, you know, it's very easy to be behind the guy. It's very easy for you to come in, you know, spell a running back, get a player or two, make, you know, chicken salad out of chicken crap and, you know, be all this, you know. And for me, I look at, you know, Alexander Madison. I look at James Carner, who you mentioned uh I look at Tony Pollard, who is going to is kind of in the same boat in my position as as a Madison. I want to see honestly how these these two guys respond to now being the guy. You know, can you handle a, a workload and still produce fantasy relevancy for your managers? You know, what I'm saying again, you've been behind the guy for so damn long. Now you are the guy. Like, I, I remember when, you know, James Conner was in Pittsburgh, he was behind Le'Veon Bell. You know what I'm saying? So Le'Veon would do his thing, and then James Conner would come in and kind of, you know, get his money at, at the goal line because he had a nose for the end zone. He would come in on the times that Le'Veon Bell was suspended and, 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 and show well, but Le'Veon Bell was coming back. It's very easy for you to, to, to kind of come in you know, when teams are not game planning to, to stop you as frequently as they are game planning to stop the number one guy. So, and again, to my initial point, Alexander Madison was was going in like round three, round four, and just for my blood, I feel as though that's too damn early for an unproven guy with this workload. Like, Let's again. We can't wait till in the middle of the year to see it because we do fantasy in the time of third, and we got to make our moves. 
I just, again, I disagree with you guys. I caution a lot of listeners and a lot of people who play fantasy football. Um, if you're expecting, you know, RB2 Alexander Madison to give you RB1 type numbers, I think you're sadly mistaken because teams are game planning to stop you. When you when, when, when teams put on the film to watch the Minnesota Vikings, they're not trying to stop Justin Jefferson and Donovan Cook and, and TJ Hawkinson. They're trying to stop you. And it's very easy, we say this a lot, it's very easy to, 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 to find the radar when you're not being the hunted. Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison are now people being hunted. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure how they're going to measure up, especially with the Dallas Cowboys division of Tony Pollard. I didn't even mention him. Um, you had a quarterback who is in a make it or break it year anyway. But that, that was my whole take on the Madison thing. You know what, Sirius, though? I, I, I have to say I agree that it's going to be like with Pollard and Madison and Connor, it's going to be – you know, like one of my favorite gangstar songs, can they handle the weight? Can they handle the whole weight of being the number one guy, right? But for Madison, in his case, you're talking about an offense that has Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, and Jordan Addison, the rookie from USC. He's going to be, he's not going to be in loaded boxes. He's going to be in seven, seven man boxes, maybe even six, trying to, you know, cover the one receiver in the league, a really good tight end, and some, you know, K.J. Osborne and company. Uh, you're not looking for Madison to be that every down back that's going to be carrying, you know, at least 25 times a game. So he's going to get he's going to get some space to run in. And that's probably the risk that people are drafting him high. I wouldn't draft him that high. I would probably wait till the fifth round to snag him. But I think he has value because of the offense he plays in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Call the numbers now, 294- uh, Just, just okay. for the quick record. Call the numbers now, 294- yeah. hold, 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 hold on a second. Call the numbers now, 294-7726759. Lock on the Sports City Chefs. Go ahead, Greenwood. Uh, just for the record, like guys who are um, guys like wide receivers that you can get at similar ADP are guys like Drake London, Gary Judy, which could be a better pick, Christian Watson and Chris Godwin. Um so I mean, if if that's my if that's my choice to make, I mean, Judy might be the choice. Drake London might be the choice, depending on how my draft has fallen thus far. But I can't I can't have any qualms with taking Alexander Medicine in front of any of those guys. Let me ask you guys this question: Since we're since we're on the running back situation, how far is Alan Kamara going to fall? Not that far. I, I would. I wouldn't think he would fall. I think he is probably an RB two. Um, he's. I think his name would probably a novice would draft him probably too high. I think he's probably in that eighteen to twenty range, probably in most leagues. So it, it is a guy that he's not. Gonna, he's going to miss what the first six games of the season or something like that. So you have to 
if you draft him, you better have a running back in the next pick. And you better be smart about where – if you draft him, you have to be smart about your draft. That, but I don't see him falling very far. So I've got um, current AD for um, for Alvin Kamara is six eleven, so he's going pretty much a full round after Alexander Madison. Um, I have a lot of concerns about Kamara beyond the suspension, because I mean, if you can, if you've got a good number one and a good number three, let's say you, you let's say you run with here uh, Sirius's hero RB um, situation and you start things off with um, like let's just say a Nick Chubb for example and roll then roll wide receiver the rest of your draft until um, and you find yourself at round five and you go back to back Madison and Kamara I think that's a legitimate strategy if you can if you can pull all of that off. Um, I do have concerns that Kamara is going to lose a lot of touchdown touches to um, to Jamal Williams. I have a strong feeling that's the whole reason they bought brought him in is to be the touchdown vulture, and it worked for him last year, and I imagine that's the role he's going to play again this year. So that will hurt Kamara and his um, his total fantasy status this year. Interesting. TP, how, how far do you feel Alvin Kamara is going to fall this year? You're smart. You ain't going to let him drop too far because he's still going to end up being valuable throughout the season. Just think – Jacob just had a successful yeah. season with Carr. Um, and knowing Carr's coming down there with a chip on his shoulder and he got a Swiss Army knife to go to, that's going to be a big piece of the puzzle with Alvin Kamar. Not to say that I believe in Derek Carr, but I know Derek Carr got a chip on his shoulder. Kamar's going to wait to get out the pen by midseason. And um, he still is a, a weapon at the end of the day. Elusive, speedy, and got good power to be his size. Um, he's still a valuable pickup. I say second or third round. He don't go no further than that. If he goes past that, I'm, I'm scratching my head. So um, he's still a valuable running back. I, I wouldn't let him get too far. I, I say second or third round, and some people will probably agree with that. But first round pick, I don't think he'll go first. But second and third, that's still an interesting pickup just to store him and stash him by the time uh, he comes back around. Dylan, are you going to you know, pick him up that early, or are you going to wait until – Try to wait until later on to try to go get Alvin Kamara. I I personally would wait. I wouldn't wait too long to TP's point because I think mid season he can give you a boost, especially in your playoffs, if you're lucky enough to make the playoffs. So if I could get Kamara as my RB three, and and I can hold off until after I pick a quarterback to get him which usually I would pick probably fourth, like fifth round-ish, unless I wanted to go, you know, for tier one. That's what I would try to do. I would try to hold that as long as I can, but it depends on the players. Like, I know players that don't, they just don't follow the game as much, and they don't understand that he's not available for the first half of the year. They probably draft him as their RB1 because that's where they're used to drafting him. So if I'm playing with smart players, I'm trying to I'm trying to hold out. 
I got you. I got you. And I'll get aside here on this, man. You mentioned quarterback. You mentioned the top tier. Um, when I dressed this league yesterday uh, with Greenwood, I did not touch quarterback until round number – I think I got it in nine. I think I drafted Aaron Rodgers in round nine. Um, how late are you waiting for a quarterback? Greenwood? Oh, okay. Um, so it like like I said, it really depends. Like I said in um in uh, the villains article um earlier, it's more about value to me than um than waiting for a specific round to go. Um, like let's just say Patrick Mahomes is there at the two twelve. I'm probably taking Mahomes. If Josh Allen is there right. early third or or Jalen Hurts is there in the early fourth. If I can get a steal like that, I'm going to to roll up and, and make that pick. Otherwise, honestly, like I'm just taking a look at my ADP chart right now. Daniel Jones and I I've drafted him in my past three mock drafts. Yeah, I'm looking at him now. You drafted him yesterday. And I drafted him yesterday too, so last four mock drafts. I've drafted mm-hmm. Daniel Jones in all Daniel Jones has an ADP of 1105. Mm-hmm. Round 11, you can grab Daniel Jones and just keep on scooping up potential players at the beginning of your draft. Right. So maybe you. So hold on, you, a you hold, can... hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So in your draft yesterday, you went quarterback, receiver, quarterback. You went Daniel Jones, Adam Thielen, and then. You know, Jared Goff. Like, explain your logic there. Oh, Lord. So, <laughs> so, the, so the, the value was the thing with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones at that point at 11.05, I honestly think that Daniel Jones ends up, ends up at the end of the year at QB, as a QB1. Probably top seven or eight. And in a 12-team league, that's better than I about a quarter of a year. I need whatever you're on. I need whatever you're smoking to be sent to Virginia immediately. <laughs> but, I mean, but serious, like, Daniel Jones is a 20-point player. If I had yeah. if I had Daniel Jones and Jared Goff on my fantasy team but was able to stack receivers and running backs and tight ends, I win. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. Like, if, if – if depending on where I pick in the draft, if I'm picking in the late half of the first round and, you know, all of my tier one receivers were snagged, I would either go running back and then quarterback or because at that point there's no receiver out there that I would say, I got to have like Jefferson. I got to have Chase. I got to, you know what I mean? Those guys might be gone. So it, I might say, all right, I'm going to bank on top running back, top quarterback, then try to load up on some RB, some later half RB ones, or you know what I mean? Like it depends how it shakes out. But I would love to stack receivers and running backs, and then get a, a quarterback that I know is going to get me a starter that's going to get me 20 points a game. I, I you know what I mean? Because the difference between 30 points as quarterback and 20 points. But 
the difference between receivers getting those points is is vastly different. And, and that's the other big thing is that Daniel Jones is might not be like if you want to call if you want to go with like talent versus fantasy talent. Daniel Jones ran seven hundred yards last year. So if you have a premium on running yards, and he's not going to hit seven hundred again. Let's. He's not Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson, but he's running. He's getting running yard. He got running yards comparable to that low tier, right? Um, then he's going to probably still be a top ten quarterback just because of how much of a transformation he had under Dable. Now the reason behind Jared Goff is because I am buying as many shares as I can into this Detroit Lions offense. It's it's that it's that simple. I have a lot of he's faith. He's coming home, man. Oh, oh my gosh, man. Why? He's coming back. I have, <laughs> I have a lot of faith in the community. You know what, James? James, you know what? James, you know what? This is enough, okay? Are you? What are you trying to do? Tell me what you're trying to do. Are you trying to sneak in the back door? <laughs> I, I'm just talking fancy football. Like, right now, oh, the hold NFL, on. No, but you, you've been doing a lot of um, sneak recipes and seeing what's going on. Coney Island, all it. Tell me what you're trying to do. Tell me. It's 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 very it's very simple. I'm just saying that that laugh that laugh tells me everything. That laugh tells me everything. You're hiding it. (laughs) What are you trying to do? That's that's all that's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. But but yeah, but but look at look at look at look at like Jones versus Lawrence. Lawrence averaged about 21 fantasy points a game. Daniel Jones was about 17 to 18 points a game. That's a difference of three points. Just because Jones doesn't do it the way that Lawrence does, it doesn't mean he has it doesn't have value. That I can't add receivers before I pick up Jones in the 11th round. It, you know what I mean? Like that's that's how I would try to approach it. Yeah, and I hope I don't get burned like I did with Russell Wilson last year. <laughs> and, yeah, and Trevor Lawrence is going in the fifth round. I'd much rather have Daniel Jones in the eleventh round than Trevor Lawrence in the fifth. Yeah, nah, nah, you missed with that whole nonsense. I'm right. I'd much rather have a Jacksonville offense because I, I, I know they're gonna put up points. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, I know the Jacksonville offense. If you got Trevor Lawrence, is gonna throw the football and put up points. The, the the New York football giants weren't playing defense in the cloud of dust. So the idea of Daniel Jones being more fantasy, quote, unquote, relevant than a Trevor Lawrence is lost on me. I, 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 no, it's, I, it's, I it's not about relevance. It's, it's, a, it's about how you want to build your team, seriously. Like, how do you want to construct yeah, I mean, your team? It doesn't matter how you get the points. It, you're getting the points. Yeah. How about uh, about we? we, You want to make a wager on this? Daniel Jones top ten fantasy quarterback this year. It it doesn't have to be a monetary bet. Hit me offline. Top ten. I I throw some bread your way. I throw some bread your way. Hit hit me offline. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll talk about it. I mean, I'll back down. Trust me about that. But, but it, it, it's not even Daniel Jones. Like, you know what? I, I would take golf as my starting quarterback if I had him in the left round. Take golf. With that oh, offense. Yeah, here we go. Everybody want to talk about Jared now. They want to ring. No, it's, it's not shade. It's not, it's not shade. It's not hate. It's strategy. If I, had, if I was stuck with Jared Goff as my quarterback but was able to build 
roster with some really good receivers and running backs, I'd take that in a heartbeat. Fizz, you heard me? They want to get a ring now. They want to talk about Jared. This is terrible. Leave yeah, my quarterback out of this. This is worse. This is worse than the Dak and the uh, Daniel Jones conversation. This is just. Dak is going to be get oh, off wait, the wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you want to go look at the PFF, if you want to go look at the PFF, Dak is in the top ten. Daniel Jones was nineteen. You, whoever, everybody you tried to put up in that discussion, tell them to go look at the numbers. I'm not lying. I'm telling you. Fact Ola. Fact Ola. They got that boy. That, they got Daniel Jones damn near 20. They got him damn near 20. Fact Ola. You can how, go look at it. How, how do you lead the league in interceptions and only play 12 games? How, how do you do that? <laughs> I, 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 I get it. <laughs> Listen, listen, I get it. It, 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 it makes it seem like I'm, I'm cheering for the Cowboys. Like, I, you know, me being uh, – uh, Dallas Cowboys, no, like, I grip my teeth. Like, I grip my teeth at them. I do know what talent <laughs> is. Like, especially, they, they still, they're top five offers in the league right now. They're they not just putting that all in the back of, you know, the, the receivers. They got, they just got rid of um, Zeke. You got to give back some credit for being part of that top five. They, they don't have the Giants offense high like that. Because the defense gave them a short field to work with, and they scored points because of the turnover. They led the league in turnover. So, Hey, listen, you know, you, you, controversy, you know, cheer for those Cowboys. Let's go cheer for those Cowboys. Yeah, that will work for you too, man. Daniel Jones also got Sean I hate you guys, man. Anyways, with that being said, we are at the tail end of the show, man. Uh, Greenwood, thanks for coming by, kicking it with us, man. Give us a plug and call out to shut it down tonight, man. All right, um, so I'll, I'll drop two things right here. Um, one, check out my latest article on sportsdaychef.com. Lots of explanation on each pick, why each pick was a great pick, or, man, I really wish I would have made a different move uh, as I watched the players come off the turn. You can't predict the future, but you can sure prepare for it. Um, this week I'm working on a second one, working on zero RB. Now I'm going to throw one more spicy meatball on the grill right now. I think that Daniel Jones ends up a better fantasy quarterback than Dak Prescott. Yes. That's going to be terrible for me because now that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Great. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Good job. Keep, keep, keep talking that. Keep talking that. Keep talking that. Exactly. Man. Please, please. Man, thanks for Thanks for coming by and kicking with us, man. Uh, give us a plug-in call and shut it down tonight, man. Listen, I got articles. Oh, is it you or is it me? I said TP, man. You ain't TP, man. My bad. I thought TP goes last. He's the host. He's the, he's the head hunter. I thought he goes last. Hey, hey, I don't know. I, I was just following the flow. Listen, listen, people, I want y'all, I feel like, I feel like I'm in front of the, um, you know, the commission, the council. I'm in front of the council in Wakanda. Y'all let me know if I should bring Killmonger back into Wakanda. Y'all let me know if I should bring him back, man, because y'all, y'all can hear it. He's talking about Gibbs and, you know, goal line. He he, he give, he's trying to give y'all everything he can about the line. I, I want to know what's going on because he left. He, he left and went and did his thing. He up there in Glen Falls. I, I don't know what to do, people. Should I let him back into Wakanda? Y'all let me know. Um... Sports City's been a great show. Had a great energy around here. Uh, Baseball-wise, Cleveland hitters, Cleveland idiots threw a no-hitter. 
The Yankees, um, I think they won tonight. I think so. Um, but other than that, you know, check us out. We'll be back here tomorrow. The grill will be lit. A lot of stuff is jumping. What happened? What happened? Why are you on there? Um, the Yankees lost again, bro. Oh. I'm sorry. That's why I said I think I didn't. I didn't want to misinform the people. Are, are you I sorry? Want are you sorry? Listen, listen. I, 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 listen. In, in the words, in the words of Barry the Village Order. Cut his mic off. Cut his mic. should be a Cowboy fan so I could speak that into existence. <laughs> and then I'm going to do another article on why he Timeless is not invited to my house anymore because of his hateful ways. I hate his queens. I hate everything about the Lions. I hope every team that he likes falls and dies on their face. I can't stand TP. I don't like serious. I hate his receivers. I don't care if they make monkey catches. They all go kiss my natural black <laughs> Good night, Lord. Lord. I will see you tomorrow. I will see you tomorrow. Wow, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Wow, wow. He, he go to church. He go to church with that foul mouth, the Lord, man. I'm telling you. Wow. Oh my goodness. Oh, Wait. So no. If we kick, if we kicked out there, we we kicked the Yankees. Man, see. Mm. When we say GP, life is hard, Shuggy, don't reject me. May yeah, or reject make, or make records and disrespect me. Blatant. Blatant. And then tell my niece and nephew that you don't want me to come over there no more. You do that. You tell them that. You tell them that. You that part. <laughs> he, he, said they, he said you ain't allowed to his house no more. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, listen, serious. You don't know how bad that's for Yo, when I leave, his daughter cry. Oh, we can't be having, we can't have this baby crying though. We no, be we be having fun. We, we be having fun. She don't want me to go. She be having fun with me, so she don't want me to go. So see, so, so tell them that. That's right, villain man. That's right. It's so hard to say goodbye. I swear to goodness, man. I love doing this with you guys, man. It's your boy, Sirius. Repping that 412 and the 703, man. Such a pleasure to be here with you guys on another edition of the NFL Front Office Show. Man, Lord willing, we'll be back in the building tomorrow. And that's what you always say, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend if it's just again. If they don't know, man, now we know, man. We gone. Sports City, Sports City. Chef, Chef. Sports City, Sports City. Chef, Chef. Sports City, Sports City. Chef. Chef, Sports City, Sports City, Chef, Sports City, Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June.
Superman verse, MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the sports scene, chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports city, sports city, chef you, chef you. Sports city, sports city, chef you, chef you. Yeah. Cabby. Todd. Woo! Connecticut. Uh. <laughs>